You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Good morning. Welcome to the Vineyard. My name's Rick Francis. I like to just blend in with the background. I don't like to draw attention to myself. This is uh, my wife's Father's Day gift to me, so I must wear it. It's Father's Day. Mm -hmm. Well, as we go into Mark, I'm just amazed at the radical nature of the kingdom of God. Jesus came to declare the kingdom of God is at hand. It's near, it's right here. And as he does, all throughout the gospel of Mark, we see just the stark, abrupt, uh, radical way in which it just kind of turns everybody's world upside down. It's like, huh, haven't seen it like that. We, we looked a couple weeks ago at the divorce issue and just really clearly understanding what the heart of the Father is about relationships. And then last week was on children. And we see the radical nature of, of the kingdom where oftentimes in the culture, the children just get pushed to the side, but with Jesus and his kingdom, they come to the forefront. As a matter of fact, he uses them as examples of how we enter into his kingdom, like a little child. And so this is just, is just wonderful. So we, we've had these things. And all through the Gospel of Mark, we have people who approach Jesus. Either they're in need, they're a leper, uh, the lady with the issue of blood for 12 years, all the different people as they approach and they fall before Jesus, they come because they have a need. And today in the passage, we see that this man comes and it's most unique. Mind you, it's in all of the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all record this rich man as he comes to Jesus. So let's look at the text beginning at verse 17 of Mark chapter 10. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. We ask Holy Spirit that you would come and that you would give us ears to hear what God is saying to the church and to us individually. Amen. So here we go. Jesus is starting on his way. And as usual, when Jesus is beginning something, there's an interruption. If it's not an interruption by the disciples, if it's not an interruption by a storm, it's an interruption by the crowd, the multitude. And here comes this man. He's not really identified much, but we understand as we go through the passage that he's a wealthy man. 
And as he comes, he's, he runs up to Jesus. He doesn't come casually, looking rather cool, just approaching Jesus. No, he comes running to Jesus. He's got something going on inside of him that he knows Jesus has the answer. And so he's coming to Jesus and he's coming to him. And when he gets to Jesus, he falls on his knees before the Lord. Now that's kind of impressive, don't you think? Coming up, falling on your knees before the Lord, you got his attention. And he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Good teacher. Hmm. Now it's interesting as, as you look at all the different ways in which the word good is used in the Greek language and even in the Aramaic as, as Mark is translated, we, we see that there's a, there's a goodness that is kind of reserved for God. There's a moral goodness, there's a purity, there's, there's something that is beyond like, boy, that was a good pizza. You know, it, it's, it's something about essence. It's, it's about the purity and the moral character. And so he's coming up and he's, he's calling him a good teacher. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Is that the right question? No, it isn't. <laughs> That's not the right question. It's like, oh my, I think we're, we're on a wrong foundation here. And Jesus inter interrupts him and, and, and responds rather abruptly. And he says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. So Jesus kind of sets the use of this adjective good in its proper context. He come up and called him a good teacher. Now if that, if by, by addressing Jesus as a good teacher, he's acknowledging that Jesus is divine, he's acknowledging that he's the son of God, then the guy's on good, good ground. That's right, that's right. But when Jesus says, there's only one that's good and that's God, well then he says, well, okay. And later in the passage, he just says, teacher. He doesn't repeat good. He just says, teacher. We'll see that in a minute. But it's like, whoa. Now, if you're wondering, I've been in the faith. I've grown up in the church. I've been in the nursery. I went through Sunday school. I went through youth group. I'm now an adult. I've, I've done everything in the church. I know the teachings. I know the Ten Commandments. I know what I'm supposed to do. And, and you've grown up in all of that. But yet there's something inside that just says, there's something lacking here. Is, is this all there is? And I think for those of us that are religious, and believe me, I'm, I'm the chief of the self-righteous religious Pharisees, uh, there, there's that ache inside of, am I doing enough? Am I, really, am, I, am I really doing enough? Man, I feel like I need to do more. And, and there is a dynamic, I think, in each one of us as human beings because we're created in God's image, we're created for fellowship and union with him, 
that until we have that connection, that face-to-face, heart-to-heart covenant relationship with him, there's always going to be a dynamic where we feel like, I'm just not doing enough. Something's motivating this rich man, and he comes to Jesus, and he's wanting to know, have I missed it? Is there something that I need to do? Jesus says, you know the commandments, and then he lists them. Six commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. These are commandments, these aren't suggestions. We got officer corps in the congregation today. You break the law, you're going in. These are not suggestions, these are the commandments. And here you have them, boom, boom, boom. However, he doesn't go through all 10, he hits the ones that have to deal with relationship. These are all about how we as human beings are to treat one another. And so Jesus puts the emphasis on that and he's there. And the guy, you you gotta see him. To me, he's more like Horshack. Many of you don't know who Horshack is. But it's like, ooh, 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 ooh. I've done all of these since I was a little boy. You know, he, 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 he's going ding, ding, ding. I've won. Yes, Lord, I've, I've observed those. Now notice this is where he says teacher. He doesn't say good teacher. He just says teacher. All of these I've kept since I was a boy. And the Jewish boy became a man at 13. So all this time, he's been keeping the commandments. Wow. Now Jesus looks at him. I love this about Jesus. He looks at him. He realized that he's excited. The the man is excited because he's, he's observed the things that Jesus has brought his attention to. And he thinks he's fulfilled everything that needs to be fulfilled. And Jesus loved him. He loved him. Hmm. Now sometimes we think, if Jesus really loved him, he'd let him off the hook, wouldn't he? He said, that's good enough, thanks. Thanks for coming, thanks for interrupting my journey. Mm -hmm. No, he loved him. And then he says to him, there's one thing you lack. Matthew and Luke says, if you would be perfect, there's one thing that you lack. And here he lays it down. If you want to know what you need to do, ask Jesus if you dare, and he'll tell you. Go sell everything you have. Not partial. You know, when I see this passage of scripture, I think of the old hymn, I Surrender All. And Tony Campolo, he was doing a spoof off of that. And uh, with all the people choking about how much money do you give to the Lord, he would, he would say, I surrender one-tenth. I surrender one-tenth. One-tenth to Jesus. I surrender. I surrender one-tenth. But that's never going to fly with Jesus. Go sell everything you have, everything you have. It's not a half-hearted commitment. It's like the boyfriend who tells his girlfriend, I love you with the love 
that I would climb over mountains. I'd swim the ocean. I would do, walk through coals of fire for you. And I'll be over at seven if it doesn't rain tonight. And I was like, oh, no. Wholehearted relationship. That's what we want in our relationships with people. We want to have a heart-to-heart -heart relationship, especially in marriage. We want a heart-to-heart -heart relationship. And that's the kind of relationship God wants, heart-to-heart. So after you sell it all, give to the poor. Give to the poor. It's one of the things at the Vineyard we've always keep before us is the, the real emphasis that the kingdom has on making sure that we're giving to the poor. We always need, because it's dear to the Father's heart, we need to be mindful of always giving to the poor. And then he says, you'll have treasure in heaven. He didn't say, go sell everything you have, give to the poor, and you'll make heaven. He says, then you will have treasure in heaven. Those things aren't entrance requirements. Those are something above that that invests in a spiritual account in heaven. Yeah. Now here's what, here's what causes us to come into it heaven, then come and follow me. It's in that relationship with Jesus that everything changes. When we come and follow him, boom, we're going in a different direction. It's out of that relationship where we get to know Jesus for who he truly is, that we find that Jesus truly is the way, the truth, and the life. And as we have that relationship with him, and as we live that relationship out, we discover so much about ourselves, about the call that God has for us, and his heart for the world. And beyond, we begin to get more of an eternal perspective instead of just our little 70, 80, 90 years on the planet. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to have Ann come up and share with us a wonderful encounter that she had with the Lord. Yeah, I um, was so excited about this. I shared it with Rick. I shared it with a couple, some other people. I didn't really know for sure why I was excited because I surrendered numerous times. But I was at Fort Bend. I was just taking a walk, and I had my headphones on. I was worshiping and. It was a really sweet time of worship. I, the presence of God was there in a new way that I didn't have experienced, I think. And um, then afterwards, I sat down on the picnic table and was praying. And I just started praying, God, take everything. I just want you to have all of me. And I, I surrendered like out of fear. And I surrendered out of obedience, but this was surrendering because I knew who God was. I knew his goodness. I knew his worth. And it was like, why would I not surrender? And, you know, I mean, I was like begging him, like, please take everything. So intimacy. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Yeah. 
And that's the difference between having knowledge about God and knowing God experientially to where we know him, we spend time with him. The rich man, his, his head drops. He's sad and he leaves. And the reason is because he had great wealth. And you might be sitting there today and say, well, I don't have great wealth, so this message doesn't apply to me. Wait a second. We are sad and we leave and we don't follow Jesus because the issue that resides in our heart is where do we place our trust? Where is our trust? Is our trust in a relationship or is it a, is it a trust based on accumulation of material things? It's like, oh. I don't know what it is for you today, but if you ask Jesus, is there anything I lack? I imagine he might have a response for you. There might be one little bitty area that, that might need to be shored up a little bit. Hmm. But here's the key. It's impossible to surrender if you don't know who he is. If you have not experienced him and his goodness, it's impossible. It's impossible to sell everything that you have and follow him, give to the poor and follow him, if you don't know who he is. It's like when you experience his love and you experience the real God, not the religious God that we grew up with, the one that's ready to judge and punish and just waiting for us to get out of line so he can stomp on us. But when you find the God whose love for you is lavished scandalously, he just lavishes love all the time. It's like when you, when you realize who he is, then it's like, okay, I'm in a relationship. I'll come into a covenant with that God. I'll come to know you. See, the, the, the metaphor that we have with, with God the Father is that he wants many sons and daughters. He wants a big family. When we look to Jesus, he's looking for his bride. He's looking for his covenantal bride, which is, I believe, the church, all the believers. And the Holy Spirit's looking for a temple that he can indwell, that he can inhabit. And so as we open our hearts and say, yes, Father, I'm your son, I'm your daughter. Yes, Lord Jesus, I'll be your bride. A little more difficult for us males, but we'll get there. Yes, Holy Spirit, I will be your temple. Come and inhabit and live within me. And he'll do that. Wow. When we know him and we know how much he loves him, it's easy to submit and surrender to him. It's the whole picture that Paul talks about in Ephesians 5 when it's the relationship of a husband and a wife. He says, first of all, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So there's mutual submission, the husband to the wife, the wife to the husband. But as he goes on, he really is the hard, harder order to the male. Love your wives 
as Christ loved the church. Whoa. Now stop and think about that, guys. Lay down your life. Love unconditionally. Love, at times, the church is prostituting herself, is becoming and behaving like a harlot, a whore, just going after other things other than him. But he, he remains faithful. He remains faithful. Wow. Wives, when you have someone that loves you as Christ loves the church, you know what? The second command of submitting to your husband is a piece of cake. That's not hard at all. When you know that they love you the way Christ loves the church, submission's simple. That's why this rich man didn't know the Lord. He come to try to appease his conscience religiously because he's really been a, a devout Jewish person. He's observed and obeyed the law, but he didn't have relationship to the one who is the defining one. And it's out of that relationship that he comes and makes himself known. And then to give it all to Jesus, I surrender run up the white flag and say, Lord, you can have it all. Whatever you want, it's yours. I give you myself, my body, my soul, my spirit. It's all yours. Will he ask you to go out and sell your 800 horsepower car? Probably not. But the key is when we know him for who he is, it doesn't matter. Will I give up my golf clubs for Jesus? As a little free Methodist evangelical, when I first came to this passage, I thought, oh Lord, I have to give up golf for you because I can't have anything before you. No, he's not against wealth. There's a lot in the scriptures about wealth. And we understand that the blessing of God is oftentimes seen in the material things that are, are upon us. Some have gone so far that they'd stretch that to the nth degree so that if you aren't prospering, then you're not blessed. No, blessing comes in relationship with him. It doesn't come by what we've attained or what we've earned or what we've been given. This is difficult for us because there are those passages of scripture that talk about sacrifice. I'm not gonna play the Holy Spirit today. If you want me to tomorrow, let me know. But you have a Holy Spirit who wants to reside within you and give you understanding of what is it that we're placing our hope and our trust in. What is it that we have put our faith into? And sometimes he can be rather ruthless and said, cut that out. Then after we cut it out, it may or may not be restored. Who knows? The issue is when you are experiencing his fullness, 
it really doesn't matter because now our true north is before us and all the little sidetracks that the kingdom of darkness will use to get us off course, it, it, loses, their, it loses significance. Make sense? Aren't you glad you came to church on Father's Day? Oh, yes, yes. Good, let's stand. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.